Hi, and welcome to the Circle of Film Podcast. I'm Ryan, and join me as we step into Captain Marvel in today's statistics episode. We reap the wind and the sky when the sun is high. We sail the length of the seas on the ocean breeze. At night we name every star. We know where we are. We know who we are, who we are. Captain Marvel uh, talked about this in Friday's episode. And uh, now we're gonna do some statistics for the film. It has a lot of people in it, and uh, it's a pretty big movie, so, uh, you know, bit of a bit of an impact to the spreadsheet overall. Uh, I've now seen, as of recording this episode, I've seen the film twice. Uh, by the time this comes out, I will have seen it three times. And I'm, I don't know, I, I like the movie. Again, it's not great, it's not incredible, but I, I like it quite a bit, uh, and, and so let's let's get into it. Um, so the second time, and most, most recent time as of recording this that I saw the movie was March 8th. Uh, however, by the time this comes out, I will have seen it March 10th. Uh, I clock it at two hours and four minutes, including post-credit scenes. Uh, it's a 2019 film. My summary. A woman uncovers the truth about her origin and finds out where she fits in the world. Pretty, uh, pretty straightforward. Um, I gave the film a 75, ultimately. Uh, I know I had talked about in the first review episode of it being closer to the 70 range. And uh, upon rewatch, uh, while some things I think were some things I think were elevated for me, other things were, were diminished a little bit. Uh, but when it all shook out, I think I moved it up just a little bit and kind of reworked some of my other Marvel Cinematic Universe film ratings uh, to to that I've been meaning to change uh, in the pro while in the process of rewatching so many of them, uh, and finally took the time to do that to more solidly establish the the rankings and, and ratings of those movies. Uh, so it has a I give it a seventy five. It has a seventy nine percent the last time I checked Rotten Tomatoes. And uh, it is part of the MCU. So, <sighs> hmm. uh, so this is the 29th film, uh, as far as I'm concerned, that is part of the MCU. It is, uh, that is including one shots and, and small things like uh, Team Thor. Cap, uh, Agent Carter and, and so on Captain Marvel out of 29 films currently ranks as ninth. Uh, she finds her spot right between uh, Captain America colon Civil War and Team Thor uh, if you want to ignore Team Thor as a potential slot uh, I would say that replace that with Iron Man 3 so between Civil War and Iron Man 3 uh, which is pretty good. Uh, it now extends the length of the Marvel Cinematic Universe by my calculations to 45 and three quarters hours. So we're uh, Endgame's going to push us over two full days of watching, and then uh, it increases the average film rating of the Marvel Marvel Cinematic Universe to 65.21. Very solid score, uh, all things told. But. Um, let us move on to directors. Yeah? All right. 
Captain Marvel was directed by a team, a pair of directors, Anna Bowden and Ryan Fleck. This is the second film on the spreadsheet that they have directed. I know there are more that I've seen. Uh, it increases their average film range to a 52 even. It's their only film in the 70s. It's their best film overall, coming in ahead of It's Kind of a Funny Story. They have a score of 26 and are ranked 1,158th overall, tied with a bunch of people behind Lewis Milestone, uh, Oscar-winning director for the film Two Arabian Nights. Uh, and they are just ahead of Jennifer Lee, who is the director of Frozen. And... Uh, kind of get uh, for for warning starting right now um this episode is definitely going to be a little bit more spoilery than the spoiler free review uh when we get to the actors specifically anyone who shows up in an end credit scene their name will appear if you do not want to know that probably stop listening and go see the movie first uh and additionally as i'm talking about these people uh directors and writing especially I am going to get a little bit more specific and, and potentially spoiler-filled than I was, uh, without getting, uh, preferably without getting too specific. Um, so, for instance, the direction of the film, and I think this is the case with a lot of the the Marvel movies, you always end up with some amount of studio interference, and it's kind of tough to know exactly how much that is and how far that extends into the film you know you can i can kind of presume that a lot of it had to do with the the action sequences involved in the movie especially the ones that are kind of choppily edited and poorly constructed as well as a lot of the vfx work and, and scenes surrounding by surrounding those but my opinion when the movie looks great when the movie works well and you know you have great character moments character beats i think that is a testament to uh, bowden and flex direction i think they know what movie they wanted to make and got uh, tried to get as close to that as possible despite you know disney slash feige you know pulling some of the strings some of the strings and uh, the direction is ultimately fine you know, this this isn't a Black Panther situation. I don't feel like the movie really rises to to a height uh, heretofore unseen, but it does succeed um, in, in what I, in my opinion, and what it's trying to do. And in that regard, I think the direction ends up being fine, good. You know, it, it's not. It's not as easy, at least, to lambast this movie as it is for Incredible Hulk, uh, Thor 2, um, my opinion, Iron Man 2, and, and so on and so forth. There are much, much worse uh, directed Marvel films uh, than Captain Marvel. Uh, writing. A couple of people worked on the writing team. Meg Lefauve. This is her third film credit that I've seen. It decreases her average from range to a 76 even. It's her only film in the 70s and second best movie overall. Coming in behind her Oscar-nominated writing on Inside Out and ahead of The Good Dinosaur. She has a value of 3, a score of 48.6, and is ranked 303rd overall, tied with Sylvain Chomet, uh, who wrote for The Triplets of Belleville. Uh, one spot behind Jeremy Saulnier, Green Room, Blue Ruin, 
and one spot ahead of Seton I. Miller, who wrote The Adventures of Robin Hood um, and was an Oscar-winning screenwriter for Here Comes Mr. Jordan. Also on, credited on the film, Nicole Perlman. This is her third film credit, decreasing her average film range to a 75.67. It's her only film in the 70s, second best movie overall, coming in behind uh, Guardians of the Galaxy and ahead of the original Thor. She has a value of 3, a score of 48.4, and is ranked 311th overall, one spot behind Michael Moore, one spot ahead of Casey Robinson, Oscar-winning writer for Casablanca. Also, you have Geneva robertson Dwaret. This is her second film credit, increasing her average film range to a 57 even. It's her only film in the 70s, best movie overall, coming in ahead of Tomb Raider, 2018's Tomb Raider. It's not very well written. Uh, and then you have uh, the directing duo of Anna Bowden and Ryan Fleck. Uh, again, I'm sure there are more films of theirs that I've seen and they were writing writers on. But as of right now, this is the second film of theirs I've seen. It increases their average from to a 52 even. It's their only film in the 70s. Best movie overall. Coming in ahead of its kind of a funny story. She, they, have, they have a value of zero, a score of 26, and ranks 2,464th overall. Tied with a bunch of people. One spot behind Mark Protosevich. 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 Uh, who actually wrote on Thor, interestingly enough. And uh, they are one spot ahead of Ridley Scott, who uh, we all know. Oh, yeah, Ridley Scott. Uh, so those are the writers. Uh, wide, uh, big writing team. A lot of women, which is great, uh, given the story and just in general. And again, I, it does feel uh, the tough part with these Marvel movies is you gotta slot in to the hole that your movie fits into you know each of these movies is a puzzle piece and very very few of them uh, aren't fitting in to a, a, a space that is bordered on all four sides you know when you're looking at say Iron Man not really as much uh, pressure and expectations on that to carry the brunt of an entire cinematic universe Whereas now we're with Captain Marvel, and, you know, she does have to bear that huge weight. She does have to tie into Endgame, and Infinity War, and into uh, Fury, and Coulson, and their entire backstories. Uh, has to, you know, deal with a bunch of other things that I won't mention because it's kind of spoilery. That also have been taken place in the Marvel Cinematic Universe and this is kind of adding more backstory to them. So now we really have reached a point where for me at least you can't really do a past movie after this one that takes place before Infinity War slash Endgame uh, without like you're, you're just you're tied down by so many limitations and restrictions that you really don't have a chance to breathe. And Captain Marvel, I think, suffers the same fate, especially in the writing department. It has to do so much to shoehorn in Ronan, to shoehorn in uh, Jiman Hansu's character, who showed up in Guardians of the Galaxy, to shoehorn in uh, Coulson, really. Like, I don't know, Coulson doesn't really need to be in this movie. Um, when really what this movie needed to do was just establish the relationship between Fury and Captain Marvel, it got... All the all these other things got get, kind of get get heaped on top of that, 
and it's not easy to bear that weight, and the script doesn't quite manage to do it. Uh, like I said, the, the personal moments, the moments that really have nothing to do with the greater Marvel Cinematic Universe, I love. Uh, when it's just um, Verz and uh, Jan Rog, I think that's his name, uh, Jude Law's character, the moments between them I thought are great. Moments between her and Talos, great. Moments between her and Maria, great. Uh, and even a lot of the scenes between her and Fury, which is kind of, you know, that's the big thing about this movie is their connection, great. And then there's everything else, and uh, it doesn't quite work out as well, in my opinion. So, there's that. Alright, we are now stepping into the actors portion. Uh, so, everything that was in this movie, from uh, start to finish, including end credits, will be mentioned. Here we go. First up is the man, the myth the legend, uh, the late, great Stan Lee. Uh, unfortunate passing of, of the creator slash influencer of so many, so many characters and, and stories that we have seen play out on screen in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Stan Lee, this is the 46th film credit for him that I have. Uh, it increases his average film rating to a 59.3. It's his sixth film rated in the 70s and 12th best movie overall, coming in behind Captain America Civil War and ahead of Spider-Man. That is the Sam Raimi Spider-Man. He has a value of 11.5, a score of 68.33 to be ranked 130th overall, one spot behind Madeline Kahn and one spot ahead of Laura Dern. I just got it. The, the opening... Marvel logo sequence of this movie, which is uh, not is very different from all the others that you've seen and and or complained about, is so touching. the The guy sitting to my right, the first time I watched the movie, yelled out, "Thanks for making us cry before the movie even started." Uh, after it played, and I didn't cry uh, for it, watching it, and after, but it choked me up a little bit. You know, it's it's very powerful and and good to see and I, I appreciated it quite a bit stanley's cameo in the film um it's fine it was fine I, I didn't hate it i didn't love it it was fine next up is clark gregg this is his 23rd film credit increasing his average film range to a 62.91 it's his third film in the 70s ninth best movie overall coming in behind the avengers and ahead of In Good Company. He has a value of 9.5, a score of 67.38, and is ranked 160th overall, one spot behind Elizabeth Barrington, and one spot ahead of Al Pacino. Clark Gregg reprising his role as Agent Coulson. He has been de-aged in this movie and doesn't look so great. Um, no. I think they nail the character for the most part. There's one particular moment with Coulson that is kind of set up as this you know, this is the first time he does this, you know, standard move of his that he's, you know, kind of understood and known for, especially if you've seen uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And I don't know, I didn't feel like that needed to be in here. Uh, I honestly would have even been fine not seeing him until, say, like the first end credits scene 
uh, it's not even an end credit scene. It's just the last scene of the actual movie before we cut to the credits. If that was the first time we saw him, it would have been fine. And it would have taxed the uh, visual effects department a lot less. Next up is, um, again, spoilers, last warning, character-wise. Next up is Mark Ruffalo uh, as Bruce Banner. This is the 36th film credit for him that I have. It increases his average film rating to a 60.19. It's his sixth film rated in the 70s and 11th best movie overall. Coming in behind his Oscar-nominated performance in Foxcatcher and ahead of Team Thor. He has a value of 10, a score of 67.03, and is ranked 165th overall, one spot behind Liam Cunningham, and one spot ahead of James McDonald. We see Bruce Banner in the mid-credits sequence of the film, and uh, that's it. You know, kind of largely inconsequential. Uh, next up is Peter Gallagher. This is the 13th film credit of his. It increases his average point to a 65.92. It's his sixth film rated in the 70s and sixth best movie overall, coming in behind the player and ahead of While You Were Sleeping. He has a value of 7.5, a score of 64.63. He's ranked 228th overall, one spot behind Sam Rockwell, one spot ahead of Deneen Tyler. Peter Gallagher, uh, in case you blinked and missed him, uh, if I can find the name of his character. They don't even have him on IMDb. He is uh, the guy at Pegasus that... Uh, oh, Patrick. Patrick Gallagher. Oh, my goodness. I did this... <sighs> so frustrating. So, a lot of Gallagher's out there. I remember, or let me see. I knew who they meant, and I also knew that there was a Peter and a Patrick Gallagher. It is say Patrick, damn it. Um, okay, well, we're gonna fix that right up, uh, and you can hear the whole damn thing. Um, so we'll, do, <laughs> all right, skip that. Uh, we will talk about. Patrick Gallagher at the end, and I'll input the data live. Uh, All right, skipping him. Next up is Brie Larson. Uh, This is the 27th film credit of hers I've seen. It increases her average film rate to a 58.96. It's her fifth film, rated in the 70s, and eighth best movie overall, coming in behind Free Fire and ahead of 21 Jump Street. Uh, She has a value of 8, a score of 62.9, and is ranked 297. Second overall, one spot behind Lee Van Cleef, one spot ahead of Elsa Lanchester. Uh, she is Captain Marvel. Uh, again, I thought she's great. I think the emotional movement mo- moments of the movie and uh, the any time where she's not every every time where she she's confronted with the truth or reality of a situation, any time she has to deal with her past. Uh, I love the scene uh, in the in the records room between her and Fury. I think she's incredible in that scene. Uh, I love her on the phone later on with Jude Law. I think she does a great job, great work there, even without someone in front of her. And uh, the scenes with her and, and Maria are, are also great. Uh, I think she really gets this character, and uh, I'm, I'm super excited to see more. 
Next up is, uh, as I just mentioned, Jude Law. This is the 31st film that I've seen from him. It increases his average point to a 58.61. It's his sixth film in the 70s and 10th best movie overall, coming in behind Rise of the Guardians and ahead of Gattaca. He has a value of 6, a score of 61.06, and is ranked 389th overall, one spot behind Brady Corbett, one spot ahead of Kevin Bacon. Jude Law plays Jan Rog. Uh, and I liked Jude Law in the movie. I, I think his character... There's a, pe- a sequence in the movie where after Brie reaches, after Carol reaches Earth, uh, she is kind of separated from him, and we don't see a lot of him. We get a couple of of transmissions between him and her, uh, but otherwise, just kind of he's absent from a significant chunk of the movie, and it does hurt. Uh, and I, I think one more moment maybe one more reference one more connection between the two of them during that period of time would have gone a long way uh but what we do get of jude law i I really did like i liked his story arc and i um, i I liked his relationship with with carol next up another end credits character is don Cheadle. this is the 28th film of his i've seen it increases his average performance to a 58.89 he has Five films were in the 70s, and this is his 10th best film overall. One spot behind Flight, one spot ahead of Iron Man 3. He has a value of 4.5, a score of 59.47. He is ranked 484th overall. One spot behind Martin Starr, one spot ahead of Shirley Henderson, Don Cheadle, reprising his role as James Rhodes slash War Machine. And uh, again, he's just kind of there. Just there. Next up is Ben Mendelsohn. Ben Mendelsohn uh, playing the role of Talos. He has a value. There has this is a twenty-second film of his I've seen. It increases his average point to a fifty-five point six four. It's his fourth film in the seventies and seventh best movie overall. Coming in behind Killing Them Softly and ahead of Slow West. He has a value of one point five, a score of fifty-two point five, and is ranked one thousand and twenty-sixth overall. One spot behind Powers Booth and one spot ahead of. Ewan Bremner. Uh, yeah, like I said, I think Ben Mendelsohn is great in this. I think uh, he brings a lot of uh, dimension and humanity to his character uh, of Talos, uh, who is far more than we think he is. I think he, he rises above this sort of cookie-cutter villain um, outline. And I just... You know, I, 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 I wish we could see more of him. Again, I think the nature of the film and how it plays out, I don't know that we will, given the timeline and all that kind of stuff. But uh, I would like to see more of him if we could. Because I really did like what he did with that character. And, and um, I liked his relationship with, with Carol as well. Next up, Scarlett Johansson. This is her 42nd film credit I've seen. It increases her average performance to a 55.93. It is her fifth film rated in the 70s and 12th best movie overall, coming in behind Under the Skin and ahead of Chef. She has a value of negative one, a score of 52.39, and is ranked 1,032 overall. One spot behind Blake Jenner and one spot ahead of Lena Dunham. Scarlett Johansson in the end credit scene as uh, Black Widow. Of the multiple people in the end credit scene, she is 
one of the two that actually gets a little something to do. Uh, she, you know, reinforces this faith in Fury and uh, what the end, you know, and and establishes her commitment to him and what he was doing. And I liked seeing that. I think that's good. She didn't get much to do in, in Infinity War, and it was good to see her have a moment uh, here as we're heading into the end game. Next up is that other person that had a decent moment in the uh, end credit sequence, and that is Chris Evans. This is the 28th film of his I've seen. It increases his average film range to 55.11. It's his third film in the 70s, eighth best movie overall, coming in behind Captain America Civil War and ahead of Spider-Man Homecoming. He has a value of 0.5, a score of 51.93, and is ranked 1,081st, one spot behind Brian Garrity, one spot ahead of Raul Julia. Uh, Captain America, meet Captain Marvel. Uh, his, his moment at the end is... Um, I don't know, he gets this sort of, it, it, he's, it's supposed to come across as, I think, world-weary of all, of just numbers, because, you know, we see this screen with a just constant ticker of numbers of people who are disappearing after the end of, of Infinity War, and at first I thought, you know, well, why isn't he more upset about this, why, he he's clearly disturbed by it. But he doesn't come across as someone who's, like, dying over this situation. And I think the reason for that is uh, we don't really know how much time has taken place between the end of Infinity War and this post credit scene. And I think it's just been so long now that there's not much really he feels he's capable of doing. And that is what's killing him inside. And I, I think that, that that definitely came across more to, for me in the second viewing of it. So I really did like that little moment we get for, for Chris Evans and, and Captain America. Next up is Nelson Franklin. This is the seventh film of his I've seen. It increases his average film rate to a 63.14. It's his second film in the 70s and second best movie overall. Coming in behind Scott Pilgrim vs. The World and ahead of I Love You Man. He has a value of 2.5, a score of 51.61, and is ranked 1,120th overall, tied with Dree Hemingway. One spot behind Eileen Brennan and one spot ahead of Pat O'Brien, Nelson Franklin, who plays um, like a lab tech, uh, basically. Uh, see if I can get a better name here. Medical examiner. Sure. Inconsequential. Next up is Annette Benning. This is a 22nd film credit of hers. It increases her average point to a 54.59. It's her fourth film in the 70s and sixth best movie overall, coming in behind Ginger and Rosa and ahead of Postcards from the Edge. She has a value of negative 0.5, a score of 49.54, and is ranked 1,344th overall, one spot behind Tom Hollander, one spot ahead of Jack Davenport. Annette Benning uh, plays dual roles in the film. Uh, as both the supreme intelligence, as far as Brie Larson's Carol Danvers sees them, it, uh, as well as Dr. Wendy Lawson. Uh, the supreme intelligence, which shows itself as the person you, um, what is it, the person you trust the most, uh, the person you look up to the most, or something. And uh, as well as Dr. Wendy Lawson, who, which is the person that Vers, Fears, and, and Carol look up to the most, uh, who is a pilot back on... Uh, it's more of a scientist, I guess, doctor, scientist, whatever. Uh, we don't get a ton about Dr. Lawson for most of the movie. She's kind of one of those question marks that we're trying to uncover and unscramble. 
And I did like the resolve and resolution of that. And I can't, I gotta say, Annette Benning looks like she is having the time of her life in this. She is just mowing down scenery uh, left and right uh, to the extent where, like, uh, I don't know, it just, it's just crazy. Uh, her last scene she gets in the movie, I love, 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 love. I think she's just so ridiculously over the top, and it's perfect. Um, yeah, I don't know. It, it really, I don't know. I liked her. I wish the character was a bit more, but I, I did like what we got from from at least Annette Benning's perspective. Next up is Matthew Mayer, Mar. Uh, this is the 12th film of his I've seen. It increases his average performance to a 55.17. It's his second film in the 70s and fourth best movie overall, coming in behind While We're Young and ahead of A Most Violent Year. He has a value of 1, a score of 48.29. He's ranked 1,490th overall, one spot behind Brooke Adams, one spot ahead of Paul Rudd, Ant-Man. Matthew Marr is uh, Norex, uh, who, I don't know if he's even his name's ever even said in the movie, uh, but he is the science guy. <laughs> for uh, Talos. He's the science guy. Who was cute. Uh, he was fine. He, was, he did his thing. Next up is Samuel L. Jackson himself. This is the 84th film credit of Samuel L. Jackson's I've seen. It increases his average film range to a 54.65. It's his 10th film in the 70s and 22nd best movie overall, coming in behind his narration of I Am Not Your Negro uh, and ahead of Ragtime. He has a value of negative 6, a score of 47.38, and is ranked 1,600th overall. One, so one spot behind Sean Biggerstaff, and one spot ahead of Michael J. Pollard. Uh, as Fury, de-aged, um, looks great, except when he has to do things, uh, which fortunately are not too often. He gets like one fight sequence, and at least it's against like an alien so, you know, it's not like he's supposed to be able to win. But whenever he's running or anything, uh, just it felt like they had to, like, pull Brie Larson back, be like, all right, you know, you can't run faster than him because, you know, he's whatever. You know, he's got to be able to keep up. So she, they had to kind of pull her back, and that meant they had to pull her back always when she was running or it would look out of place for her to, ah, it's a silly thing. But other than that, I loved the relationship between him and, uh, and can Captain Marvel? I think he he did a great job as a younger version of of Fury and establishing a lot of things that um, we kind of expected in in some respects, uh, at least as far as uh, just who he was at the time. You know, he he is kind of the same person, but a lot of things are revealed about his past and and are revealed about things that affect the future. And it, it was interesting to see this. Um, point along the trajectory next up is lee pace this is the 13th film of his i've seen it increases his average range to a 51.69 it's his second film in the 70s and third best movie overall coming in behind guardians of the galaxy coming in ahead of the hobbit colon the desolation of smog he has a value of negative two a score of 42.8 and is ranked 2172nd one spot behind anthony mackie one spot ahead of daniel huddlestone what they have just ruined i don't Supposedly, I have been told that Ronan the Destroyer, though the accuser, Ronan the Accuser, is a decent character. Not even decent, like a good character, like threatening, evil, um, powerful. Uh, 
whatever they did to him in Guardians of the Galaxy seeps into this too because he he just doesn't come across as threatening. He never feels like uh, I don't know. He, he just doesn't feel like he's in the right movie, which is crazy given that this movie features you know shape shifting aliens and blue people. Uh, you know so how how does how is he not a real? How does he not feel like he fits in and yet somehow? Both in this and in Guardians of the Galaxy, he doesn't. At least in this, he's far less important and far less relevant. Uh, but even his inclusion, I think, was was unnecessary and, and only really serves to show off Brie Larson's abilities as Captain Marvel. Next up is Gemma Chan. This is her 13th film credit, increasing her edge film rating to a 47 even. It's her third film in the 70s and second best movie overall, coming in behind Submarine and ahead of Leading Lady Parts. She has a value of negative 3, a score of 37.73, and is ranked 2,868th overall, tied with Matt Lucas, one spot behind Michelle Rodriguez, one spot ahead of David Costabile. Costabile. Uh, Gemma Chan plays the role of Minerva. Uh, I was kind of looking forward to this, uh, actually. I really like Gemma Chan. I like the name Minerva, uh, but uh, kind of let me down. Not going to lie. Uh, I think she gets very little to do. And that's about it. Yeah, she's very inconsequential. Same with Jimon Hansu, who we see again after Guardians. Uh, this is the 22nd film of his I've seen. It increases his average film range to a 47. Even it's his third film in the 70s, fifth best movie overall, coming in behind Gladiator, head of Furious 7. He has a value of negative 6, a score of 37.08, and is ranked 2,955th overall, one spot behind Walter Huss Houston, one spot ahead of Joshua Jackson. Reprising his role uh, as Korath, who I don't think is named uh, in Guardians, but he's back uh, and he's a member of the team. You know, he, Gemma Chan, Jude Law, Brie Larson, they're all the same Kree team uh, from the onset. You know, we see them in, I think they're shown in the trailer together. But again, he doesn't, he gets a nice. Little little exchange with the there's one nice exchange with between the members of the team uh, about him and uh, being uh, simulated simmed by uh, a scroll that I I chuckle at both both times I saw it but again yeah, just um, a lot of characters that they don't really do anything with. Next up is McKenna Grace. This is her eighth film credit, increasing her average film range to a 45.25. It's her second film in the 70s and second best movie overall, coming in behind I, Tanya and ahead of Gifted. She has a value of negative 3.5, a score of 32.7, and is ranked 3,476th overall, tied with Fiona Dorif, one spot behind Iona Sky, and one spot ahead of Dermot Mulroney. McKenna Grace plays young... Uh, Carol Danvers at the age of 13. Uh, so I think in like two, maybe three of the flashback sequences is uh, McKenna Grace, who looks the part, does fine. And finally, where is Patrick Gallagher? <sighs> Stupid. Is he not on here? Now that would be a thing. Maybe he's just not on the spreadsheet. Um, Peter, John Gallagher Jr., Brona Gallagher. He might not be on here. He might not even have enough um, credits to have been worth adding to the list. 
Oh, he is someone I have bookmarked to be added. Well, anyway, Patrick Gallagher uh, deserves to be on the list, but I have not put him on yet. He's been in movies such as Night at the Museum, Downsizing, Sideways, Night at the Museum, Battle of the Smithsonian, Master and Commander of the Far Side of the World, Night at the Museum, Secret of the Tomb, Walking Tall, A Dog's Way Home. Uh, those are the nine I've seen of him. Uh, now including Captain Marvel. Uh, by a brief look, looks like this would be his second best movie behind Sideways. Um, but he probably would be towards the middle of the pack as far as the overall rankings are concerned in the 2,000 to 3,000 range. Moving the hell on. Uh, <laughs> Captain Marvel's genres. Here we go. Let's do this. Or can we do this? Something is going awry. Aha. I don't know why. Oh, I get why. Because I tried to make things easy on myself, and of course it backfired by making things more complicated than they need to be. Just take a second to fix this and correct it. Da, 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 da. Uh, okay, looks like it's just about done. Cool, all right, hide that. All right, um, so it's an action movie. Currently ranks as the 201st action movie on my spreadsheet. It is an adventure movie. Currently ranks as the 203rd adventure movie. And it's sci-fi. So it ranks as the 132nd best sci-fi movie uh, on my spreadsheet. <clears throat> uh, that's it, though. You know, it's not quite a drama, not, not a comedy either. Um, and so it does kind of miss both of those genres, in my opinion. Uh, but beyond that, um, it is a three on the Bechdel test, which I wanted to go through and check to see um, if that is unique, not unique, I guess, but if that is um, uncommon among the Marvel movies. I want I want to say it is. I know like Black Panther barely passes the Bechdel test. Um, a lot of the Iron Man's, I can look at some of the Iron Man's. Iron Man's a three. Iron Man two's a three. Iron Man one, or Iron Man three is a three. Iron Man two is a three. Iron Man one is a two. Uh, I think Guardians of the Galaxy passes both times due to Nebula. And what else do we got? Doctor Strange is just a one. Captain America Winter Soldier is a one. Civil War is a three. Big cast. Uh, First Avengers a zero. Really? I guess they never name any of the other women. So I guess that makes sense, also given the time period. Uh, yeah, it's not, but like, Captain Marvel isn't just a three. It, it blows the test out of the water. So many great uh, conversations between her and Maria uh, that I really appreciate. So there's that. It's also PG-13, as all the Marvel movies have been. 
and uh, this is it. Um, Circle of Film Awards. Uh, you know, again, still really early. I haven't even fully uh, uh, determined all the nominations. You know, the pay the post is not up on the website yet, but. Uh, Captain Marvel does start out uh, pretty solid. You know, it's got it's got some spots uh, that it's decently locked into uh, for the time being, uh, including picture, lead performance, supporting performance, score, special effects, scene. Those are the ones that's kind of floating through, and uh, some of that I I'm slowly resolving <laughs> these these issues as I get more and more movies watched and. It becomes a little easier to distinguish and get some of these bad movies that have to be in here due to early parts of the year. Um, I think I can get rid of some of these actually now. But uh, otherwise, you know, I think you know it is one of the best. It's the third best movie I've seen right now uh, from 2019. Brie Larson, I think, gives a great performance. I don't think that's going to last to the end of the year, but. I liked it. I think Ben Mendelsohn and Jude Law and um, Maria Rambo, that's not her name, uh, the, the actress that plays Maria Rambo's character, all of them do a really good job in, in supporting uh, the score. One of the better Marvel scores, again, is not going to last to the end of the year. Special effects, mm, uh, some of them are good, but some of them are not so good. Uh, goose effects, not great. Um, yeah, the 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 ooze stuff that that surrounds her when she goes into the supreme intelligence place, also not great. So, question mark there probably doesn't last that long. And scene, I also think will get cut out pretty quickly. Uh, so I doubt it manages to hold on to any of these nominations by the end of the year, unless it's a really weak year, and I just don't see that happening. Uh, but for now, it's there, and I'm pleased that it is there at the moment. All right, it is the year 2019. I have seen 41 films released in the year 2019 right now. I've seen 340 unique films during the calendar of 2019. Uh, they, my 2019 released films have an average rating of 44.22. They have an average Rotten Tomatoes meter of 66.3, so a solid 22-point difference there. Uh, none of them yet. I've entered my top 300. Uh, Captain Marvel makes 10 action films, 6 adventure films, and 10 sci-fi films. Uh, drama, as it always does, leads all comers with 18 so far. Uh, Captain Marvel makes uh, is the 10th, that is right, 10th good film, anything rated 60 or more, from 2019. So I finally have a top 10 of good films from 2019. Uh, the ratio of good to bad films of this year is uh, 10 to 24, or 0.42 good films per bad film. As a 3 on the Bechdel test, it is part of the 41.46% of films from 2019 that have a 3 on the Bechdel test. As a PG-13 film, it is the 12th PG-13 film I've seen this year, and uh, that's one behind the number of R-rated films, which is 13. Uh, da, 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 da. As a film rated 75... Some of the films from last year that it is on par with. A Star is Born, <laughs> Black Klansman, Won't You Be My Neighbor, and 303. So two Oscar nominees last year uh, on par with this. And 
look, uh, you know, depending on who you ask, you know, some people might even say you can't really compare the two. One's a huge blockbuster, the other's more of a drama period piece. Um, well, Captain Marvel's a period piece, but, you know, I think there are a lot of things great about all of these movies. Uh, Captain Marvel, Won't You Be My Neighbor, Black Klansman, Stars Born 3 or 3. But for each moment that they all excel, they all have their 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 problems. And it's kind of what takes away and how they sort of coalesce into a greater meaning and, and greater product. And, you know, A Star is Born, uh, I think actually is like, if I, when I, next time I watch it, uh, I think it's got a good chance of getting rated higher. Uh, I don't know about Black Klansman, necessarily, uh, but you know I, I don't besmirch the the comparison or the the equality on display between Captain Marvel, which would be my neighbor, or three hundred three. Uh, Black Klansman, um, I don't know, could be higher if I watch it again. I do remember liking it quite a bit, but it wasn't something that I felt was, you know, that level of greatness that I think Stan, uh, Spike Lee is, is so capable of. And it does feel like a little bit lesser. I think the editing and uh, the ending of the film have some issues. Whereas Captain Marvel, surprisingly solid third act uh, for a Marvel movie. Uh, from a, at least from a, like, I mean, I guess like the whole Ronin thing, I, I could not, I could do without. But... It does even if it wasn't Ronin. Let's say it was just another piece of the enemy. Uh, I think it still functions, like it works that way. It's more specifically that it was Ronin that I have the problem with. So like in that respect, it does work. Black Klansman has a couple of uh, end of the movie issues in my opinion. Uh, whereas A Star Is Born, easily the odd person out of this fivesome, and I think the film that when I do rewatch it uh, will be elevated. Uh, touch a touch uh going back to previous years uh you've got most beautiful island the light of the moon icarus gerald's game a fantastic woman i am not your negro midnight special indignation affections mr donkey beasts of no nation a bigger splash uh, fox catcher penguins of madagascar under the skin the east under african skies give me the loot the gray the untouchables Professor Layton and the Eternal Diva, Let's Pollute, Samson and Delilah, Cyrus, Obscene, Bernie, Stewart, A Life Backwards, Conversations with Other Women, Born Supremacy, Wimbledon, Memoirs, Memories of Murder, Old School, Chicago, Jerry, Donnie Darko, Chocolata, Eyes Wide Shut, Bringing Out the Dead, Croupier, Gattaca, so on and so forth. A lot of movies. Uh, you know, this is just one of, geez, how many? 96 films with a rating of 75. So a lot of stuff that's going to get that same rating. But that's it. Um, wow, it's been kind of a long episode. Uh, thanks for listening to today's episode. Uh, as I mentioned, uh, I do believe there's going to be a more spoiler-filled review of Captain Marvel to come later this week. Uh, just to make sure, just kind of get my thoughts down and, and sort of transition my own head and process into Endgame uh, when we do get there in a, about a month and a half now. Jeez. Uh, so thanks for listening. I really do appreciate it. If you would like to support the show, uh, you can head over to iTunes, like, review, subscribe, rate, whatever, um, all the things. Um, you can also support the show on patreon.com uh, slash circle of film for as little as eight cents an episode. If 
you would like to find more episodes, uh, iTunes, as I mentioned, but also head over to the website, circleoffilm.com, and most places where podcasts can be found. Uh, the website has a bunch of other things on it as well, lists, top 10 lists, uh, Circle of Film Awards stuff, uh, a couple of reviews even. Uh, so check that out. If you'd like to follow me, uh, you can do so on Twitter at Circle of Film or Letterboxd uh, at Circle of Film, or shoot me an email, fan mail, love getting listener email, uh, circle of film at gmail.com. Send it all. Thank you for listening to today's episode. It does mean a lot. And as always, have a week. So long, farewell, I'll be the same tonight. I know she'll Even as she fades from view So long, farewell, I'll be to say adieu Nothing's really left or lost without a trace Nothing's gone forever, only out of place So long, farewell, oh what I'll be to say Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute So long